Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. And a good good morning, everyone. Welcome to Life Happens Radio. This is Lou Pirro, your host for this morning. And I'm here live in studio with Nicole Hurley, one of our members of Pierre O'Connor & Associates. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. And Life Happens is our weekly radio program. If you haven't heard us before, where the heck have you been? But you're here now, and stay tuned. We talk about things relevant to all of us, but we kind of focus on the baby boom generation, people who are in their 50s, now in their 60s, up to age 70 at the front edge of the wave, and the things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And those things include retirement planning, insurance planning, getting ready to take that next step in life at retirement, but also looking at right now, taking care of your children, making sure that they get the right education, the right start in life. And also, in many cases, taking care of aging parents. Many of our listeners and our clients are active caregivers, and we do advise them and counsel them on how to provide for their parents and make sure they have a good, safe place to live and that they don't break the bank. And a lot of what we talk about is how to protect yourself and what you have earned over your lifetime and hopefully are still earning if you're a boomer. And when we look at those kinds of things, we look at how to keep family wealth in the family. And so those are the things that we talk about. We are here now. It's November. And so we're all kind of critically looking at the election. Big news on a day-to-day, almost hour-to-hour, and I would say in some cases, (laughs) minute-to-minute basis, where you have news coming out all the time. The candidates being very well tracked, especially at the presidential level, but also the down ballot races, Senate and uh, House races and our own local state elections here in New York. So we're inundated with that coverage. And sometimes I feel I find myself almost depressed, Nicole, because (laughs) of the flow of information, the overwhelming negativity that's contained in that flow of information. Well, we're going to try not to be negative here today because what we want to talk about is planning, how to protect yourself, how to protect your family, how to protect your loved ones. And in today's show, we're going to focus on how to plan downstream, how to protect your wealth when it passes to children and to grandchildren. And in many of our clients' planning cases, we find that while they tolerate their children, They love their grandchildren. And I'm not sure why that is. Actually, I do have a pretty good idea because you you lived with those children through their adolescent years. You paid for their college. You tried to guide them. And sometimes that's a a struggle. In many cases, it's a positive story. Um, And when you get to the grandkids, it's a pick them up and put them down situation Mm -hmm. because you get to take care of your grandchildren. You love them. You nurture them. Usually when you have grandkids, you're in a little different stage in life. You're not in that intense working mode trying to plan for the future. And so many grandparents have very different and very special relationships with their grandchildren. I I joke about not loving their kids. They do. We all do. (laughs) But the grandkids become the apple of their eye. And so when we're looking at planning for grandchildren, 
there are some very specific considerations that we need to take into account. And, Nicole, when we do planning, it comes in a variety of contexts. And, and very often, people who are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, we have clients 102, 103. Mm-hmm. And you're working on a case right now with a, one of our 102-year-old clients. Yes, I am. When when they're looking down at their grandkids, they see this little bundle of joy, and, and they don't know what that life is going to become as time passes. Right. So in looking at planning for kids and grandkids, there are legal tools that you put in place for clients on a day-to-day basis, trusts and wills. Can you talk a little bit about the things that you do at the law firm and, and how working with families, you're able to put in place plans that can take into account the kids, the grandkids, and the rest of the family. Right. So I do a lot of the estate planning, long-term care planning um, at the firm. And one of the things that we do is incorporate trusts for um, children and then their children. So the grantor's grandchildren um, eventually. So one of the things that we've been doing a lot are what we call beneficiary control trusts, which take into account planning for not only the children, but what happens if the child predeceases you um, or upon their death. Um, so it's planning for all generations, I guess, mm-hmm. in the those type of trusts. And we're going to take that trust apart a okay. little bit. The, the beneficiary control trust, it's become one of the staples in our practice and in many law practices around the country because people are thinking differently about their wealth right now. Mm -hmm. And when I started my practice 33 years ago, most of my clients said, well, when my kids are 18, they're going to get the money because maybe people grew up a lot faster. You know, these were different generations. And today, when you think about leaving an inheritance, and most of us are worth a lot more dead than alive. (laughs) So when you think about leaving an inheritance to an 18 year old, and having them, oh, they all of a sudden inherited five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. What would you have done? I would not have been responsible with that money. I know that. Um, think about the age that you are at eighteen. Um, either just graduating from high school or just starting college. Most mm-hmm. of the time, and you are not exactly financially responsible at that point. So, and when you look at how we can leave assets down to those generations, let's let's start with when you don't have a will, and and I would say that. Many of you out there listening today don't have a basic will. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about basic planning, getting a will in place is the number one thing for next generation planning. Now, we'll talk about the will and the shortcomings of the will, but that's the basic thing that everybody should have. If you don't have a will, you're in something called intestacy. And there are some surprises in that law of intestacy when you don't have a will, Nicole. Mm Mm-hmm. Clients don't anticipate how that division of assets is going to happen. Right. And so when you have a spouse and you have children, most people think, well, everything's going to go to my spouse and then they'll take care of it and then they'll give it to the kids. But that's not the case. Right. Um, If you have a spouse and you have children that are alive, part of it goes directly to the spouse and then the other part goes to the children. And it's not true that all of it goes to the spouse. And in fact, if you have multiple children, they're going to get two thirds Mm -hmm. of your estate, of your probate estate. So the assets passing through probate, your children are going to get two thirds of. And I had this come up in a case that took the family by complete surprise. Mm -hmm. They owned a business. They owned uh, a bunch of real estate. And all of those assets were in the husband's name. 
And when he died, they thought everything was just going to pass over to the wife. Mm -hmm. And they had some kids that were not able to really inherit money because they were in very precarious financial situations of their own. And so dad, sure enough, passed away. And all the assets got divided one-third to mom, two-thirds to the four kids. Which is probably not what they wanted. It is absolutely <laughs> not what they wanted. Again, they anticipated everything mm -hmm. was going to go to mom. If he had a simple will, and I love you, Will, as we call it, would have said, I leave everything to my spouse and then to my kids. She'd have gotten it all. He didn't. Didn't expect to die. Who does? <laughs> you know, that's not what planning's about, thinking it's going to happen tomorrow. It's, I want to have a plan in place regardless of what day it happens. And when people come into the office and, and or call up, a lot of them say, well, when should I do a will? And I have a very glib answer to that. Okay, if you can tell me the day that you're going to die, I'll have you come in the day before and we'll sign your will. Mm -hmm. Not many people know that. Right. Don't have a crystal ball. We do not. So getting the planning in place and, and avoiding intestacy avoids a lot of bad results. When you think about children inheriting, let's take it, those were adult children, but let's say that the kids are minors. Mm -hmm. That's the worst of all possible worlds. If you leave an intestate estate, you don't have a will, you die owning assets, they go through your probate estate, they get distributed to your children, again, right to the kids, not all to the spouse, but two-thirds to the kids, one-third to the spouse, a shocker for many people. <laughs> and if that happens and the kids are under 18, the assets go into something called a court-ordered joint account. And so the judge has control over those assets until the child reaches 18. And when you want to go get those assets... You have to have approval of the judge for all of the distributions from those assets for the benefit of your minor child. And, and that's bad. But what happens next is actually worse. And that is when the child turns 18, they get it all. 100%. Mm -hmm. So you got the worst of all worlds. you got it tied up in a court-ordered court account until they're 18, and you have it going all 100% into their name at age 18. And so that's what happens through intestacy, and that's not where you want to be. You want to do some planning. That's what we do at Pierre O'Connor & Associates, and that's what we're going to talk about here on Life Happens. So stay with us. We have some great planning tips for you, how to leave your wealth, how to plan for that day when it passes on to your children and your grandchildren, how to make it work, and how to keep it meaningfully protected for your kids, for your grandkids, and on through the generations. This is also a call-in show, so we're happy to take your calls. I'm going to give you the number right now. Write it down. I'll give it to you after the break as well, but 800-825-5949, 800-825-5949, that's Talk WGY, and this is Life Happens. We're going to come right back. Don't go away. Join us after the break for some conversations that are very, very meaningful to you and to us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Life Happens on Talk Radio, WGY, 810 AM, 103.1 FM. Yes, teach your children well. Teach them a lot of things. Teach them your values. Teach them your morals. Teach them how to cope in today's world. But how many of us do a good job teaching our children about money and teaching them how to be responsible with their wealth? And more importantly, because if they're earning their own wealth, guess what? They've got the right to do with it what they will. But what about your wealth? What about the things that you and your spouse have worked to put together? You've bought your house paid off the mortgage, you've put money aside in IRAs, 401ks, retirement accounts, 
you have some savings. You maybe have a brokerage account with Steve Boucher where you're building wealth inside of a portfolio. And then you're looking at, okay, when I'm not here, what happens? If you have questions on that or any other aspect of what we're talking about, give us a call. And again, the number here is 800-825-5949. 800-825-5949. Star 949 if you're on a cell phone. And that's if you like letters, 800-TALK-WGY. Love to hear from you. I'm here in studio, Lou Piero, live with Nicole Hurley from Piero Connor and Associates. Law for- Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm right here in Latham, New York, with offices around New York State, New York City, Long Island, Garden City, Lake Placid, Utica. And what we do is estate planning, long-term care planning, elder law, special needs planning, business planning. And in these cases, Nicole, a lot of times we're dealing with next generation planning looking at children, looking at grandchildren, how do we structure their inheritances? How do we protect assets? And that's a big part of what people are concerned with. In the first half of the show, we talked a little bit about intestacy when you don't have a will. In your will, you can do a lot of different things. And in those things are trusts. And you mentioned one of those types of trusts earlier. And that's a beneficiary control trust. Before you get to that, what if you wanted to gift to your grandchildren today? You, you want to make that gift. You want to start putting money aside. What are a couple of the ways that grandparents can do that for grandkids, not planning when they die, but planning now to get some money aside into the grandkids' names? Um, one of the ways is to set up a UTMA account. Um, what does that spell? Sorry, uh, universe, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. Um, okay. That's one. Um, the other one would be a 529 plan, um, which is mainly for college savings, educational type plan. Okay. So let's break those down. A, a UTMA account is something that it's a statutory account. So you can go down to your local bank or your local brokerage, and you can create an account for a grandchild or a child, and you can have money set aside in that account. Other people can contribute to that account, but the child doesn't own it yet. Right. Who who runs that account? Um, it would be whoever set up the account would be the owner of it. Okay, that's right. And that's the, the custodian. Right. So there's somebody looking after the money Correct. for the grandchild. And that money can be used for virtually any purpose. It is taxable. So it's, it's going to be in the grandchild's social security number and the income tax is going to go to them. But that's okay because guess what? They probably don't pay any because they don't have any other income. And that money's there for their benefit. But that account doesn't give long-term benefits, does it? No. Um, 
at the age of 21, it goes completely outright to the beneficiary or the child. Um, and then at that point, they can use it for anything that they want because it's being given directly to them. Mm-hmm. So they are easy, quick, mm-hmm. but like with a lot of things that are quick and easy, they don't have long-term benefits. Right. It's kind of like Chinese food. You're hungry again <laughs> a few hours later, and when the child That's turns— the portions are so big. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And when the child turns 21— they're going to get the money. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out right to them. So the other one is, and this is what most people today are considering and looking at, so it's worthy of some thought, and that is a 529 college savings plan. Right. And these are tax advantage too, right? Mm-hmm. How does the taxation work on those? Um, well, the money that's put in is taxable, but then once distributions are made from it, those are not taxed. Right. right. So it's after-tax dollars. So it's not like a, an IRA right. or a 401k. You're Correct. not putting it in income tax-free. But once you put the money into the 529, it gets to grow, mm-hmm. and it grows tax-deferred. So you get the benefit of tax-deferred compounding. And, and like they said, compounding is the eighth wonder of the world because money will grow over time. And when, it, when it's not being taxed, it grows much, much faster. So 529 plans give you the benefit of tax-deferred growth. And then if the child or grandchild pulls the money out and uses it for qualified educational expenses, it is then tax-free. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really good deal. And you can put money into these, and it's a gift. So when we're talking about gifting, a lot of people come to us and say, well, I want to gift $10,000 to each of my grandchildren. Can I do that? Mm-hmm. And in most cases, they can do 10000 and a whole lot more. The It's called the annual exclusion from gift tax. So you're allowed a certain amount of money being gifted to each person, not just a child, not just a grandchild, nieces, nephews, strangers. Give to my kids if you want to. Um, <laughs> or to me. <laughs> Nicole's you know, still paying off college loans. And so we can gift to anybody we want to, and the number's $14,000 per person per year. That's called the annual exclusion. But that annual exclusion, unlike when I began my career, it was very important back then. And it was 10 to start. Now it's $14,000 per person per year. And it was very important because the estate tax threshold was so much lower. Right what they call the death tax and what they're trying to repeal. Uh, You know, one of the candidates wants to repeal the death tax, as George Bush did in 2010. We had no estate tax. Mm -hmm. But they want to go back and repeal the estate tax so that the billions of dollars can flow from generation to generation without being taxed. And if that's the case, that's one thing. But right now we have an exemption, and the exemption is $5,450,000. So that's going next year. You heard it here first to $5,490,000. It goes up a little bit incrementally each year. So $5 million, let's call it $5.5 million. Each individual can gift $5.5 million plus $10,000, no, $14,000 per person per year. So when people come in and say, well, can I gift that $10,000 each of my grandkids? That plus $5.5 million. Get your checkbook out and let's start <laughs> writing checks right now. And most people say, well, what do you mean? That's a gift tax concept. And now you have an exemption of $5.5 million to gift. And when we work with our high net worth clients, and we have clients that are very substantial, and we do estate tax planning for them, we maximize the use of that $5.5 million. If you think about it, for a married couple, it's $11 million. 
And we we have clients on a regular basis that are high net worth clients that are gifting out eleven million dollars to get it outside of their estate and let it grow mm -hmm. tax free in the name of their grandkids. That's not to a five twenty nine, but that would be to that beneficiary controlled trust. So on a smaller scale, so we don't really need to worry about gift tax for most 99.9% .9 of our clients don't have to worry about gift tax. We have to worry about Medicaid transfers. That's a whole different thing. And you get no free transfers for that different concept, different area of law. But when we're talking about setting up these 529 plans, college savings accounts, you can put in five years of that gifting in one year. So you can pack it with $70,000 all at once. And let that money grow tax deferred. So if if you have a young grandchild, one years old, and you put that seventy thousand dollars in, it's going to grow until they're eighteen. They need to go to college, and you're going to get the benefit of eighteen years of tax free money if they use it to pay for their college education. One of the best deals out there to set money aside for your grandkids, allow it to grow, satisfy that college education. Because as we know, Nicole, when you come out and you have that. We went to law school, so it was the four years of college, the three years of law school, and I borrowed money to do that, and I'm guessing you probably did, did too. We have those student loans. Those are big burdens on grandkids. And the cost of college education today, $65,000 a year, is an average private university, and that's what I'm paying for all my kids. <laughs> and so if they want your kids to go to the private schools, $65,000 a year is what you're looking at. And we've had Dr. Dean Scarless, the college advisor of New York, talking about the fact that the inflation rate on college education is double digit. So when you look at the calculators, that one-year-old, when when they go to college, mm -hmm. you're probably looking at half a million dollars for a four-year school. Wow. That's a lot of money. So if you start early and you start saving early, you can do it. New York has a great 529 plan. I was playing paddle tennis this morning, and one of my compadres out there on the court said, well, I want to use the North Carolina plan. Well, can a New Yorker gift to North Carolina? And if you do, do you lose the tax benefit of the New York? And New York allows us a $10,000 deduction against your New York state income tax if you contribute to the New York plan. So I gave out some free advice this morning, unlike me. <laughs> so I told him that he could contribute this year and put $10,000 into the New York plan get his deduction against the New York state income tax for his grandchild, and then roll the money next year into the North Carolina plan where he thinks they do a better job investing it. So a lot of things that you can do to keep flexibility, use that 529 plan, the power of the college savings account to get the tax deferred growth. And if it's used right, tax free use of the money, pack it early when the grandchild is very young and then let it grow. And it'll be there for them to cover that staggering cost of college education. So we're going to be back after the break. Again, you can call us at 800-825-5949. Love to hear from you. Take your questions. And uh, we're going to be back, Nicole, to talk about creating plans that last, how to set your family up, not just gifting to the grandkids for education, but more comprehensive planning to protect what you have earned. And that's what it's all about, protecting the wealth keeping it safe, keeping it secure, and teaching your children how to use that money. What is the value of that hard work that you put in to save and accumulate funds? So we'll be right back after this break. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Life Happens Radio, Talk Radio, WGY. We're here talking today about children, grandchildren, leaving a legacy, protecting that legacy, and educating them on how to use that money long term. We've covered things like Uniform Transfer to Minors Act accounts, easy ways to set up money for the next generation, but at 21, that money goes right over to them. We've talked about 529 college savings accounts and how to put money aside, then let it grow tax-deferred, be used tax-free ultimately if they use it for qualified education. And the one thing we didn't touch on, Nicole, is that if you get to the end of that road, and what if your kid doesn't go to college? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the grandchild chooses not to go to college, so there's no education expense that account can be rolled over to other beneficiaries who may be going to college. So there's flexibility on the back end. And if you need to pull the money out, you can. It's not only for college education. The only difference there is if you don't use it for educational purposes, you're going to pay tax and penalty, a right. 10% penalty. And I also think the ability to roll over the 529 plan is a big advantage from the UTMA because I don't believe the UTMA, you can change the beneficiary once right. it's on there. So. Yep. Locked in single beneficiary mm-hmm. in the UTMA accounts. So those are great. And the college savings plan is great for college accounts. But what if we're talking about our overall legacy? And when we talked to our clients, we talked about intestacy, unintended consequences. And we talked about wills and having a will. In that will, you can create something called a test. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trust. Very fancy name for a trust for the benefit of someone other than you because guess what? You're dead. So when that happens... The will, again, has to go through the probate process. So we have to go down to the judge, the local surrogate, file the will, file the petition, file the fees, and get the judgment of the court as to whether that's a valid will. And once the will is determined to be valid, they will then issue a certificate to the person who is named in the will as the executor. And that's called a certificate of letters testamentary. Anybody out there, who has ever handled an estate. We'd love to hear from you with your experience. Some go pretty smoothly, but even in the best estates, they're going to be open a minimum of seven months. Usually it's more like a year before that probate process winds down. And we have probate estates that have been open for 10 years. Contested estates, litigation, business interests inside the estates. And these have drained a lot of the money out of the estate for these litigation cases and You don't want to be in that kind of a situation. So when we look at probate, testamentary trusts, you mentioned earlier, Nicole, a type of trust that we have become very fond of and our clients, more importantly, have become very fond of. And that trust, again, is 
beneficiary controlled trust. And, and so tell our listeners a little bit about that. What are the value propositions for a beneficiary controlled trust? Um, well, it starts off usually by providing for um, someone's children. Um, so we split it between all of the children, usually evenly. Um, and then we put certain safeguards in there. So um, I think we talked about a little bit earlier, we don't know the situation that someone's going to be in when they end up inheriting. So one of the big advantages of this is the um, creditor protection. Um, the asset is technically not counted as the child's asset. So um they are provided, again, with that creditor protection um, in case they are in some kind of situation when they inherit the money. Um, it also provides for generations down the line. So if a child um, predeceases you um, or upon their death, it goes on to their grandchildren. So you're providing not just for the first generation, but the one after it. And protecting it for those sweet right. little grandkids <laughs> that you love so well. And in terms of the beneficiary control trust, mm -hmm. as Nicole articulated, the one thing that I find points people in this direction is, okay, so you have three kids. They may be young in their teens. They may be in their 20s, 30s. Mm -hmm. They may already be in their 40s and 50s and be married. Right. What do you think about those in-laws? <laughs> The son-in-law who has the wacky business ideas and just is waiting for him, for you to die so his spouse can get the money and he can take it and invest it in this harebrained scheme that he's been trying to get you to invest in for all these years. Or the people who have other habits. And when we look at the divorce rate in this country, it's 52%. 52% of those marriages are going to end. And when they end, they don't end well in many cases. And you have divorce lawyers on each side. And then the divorce lawyers are carving up your estate. Mm -hmm. So if we want to protect our children and our grandchildren, because a lot of times you're looking at that sweet little grandchild, you don't know what situations, as you said, they're going to be in, who their spouses are going to be, what kind of a marriage they're going to go into. And most people are not able to navigate a prenuptial agreement. So if you leave wealth to your children and they're going into a marriage, do you want them the week before they get married to go to their spouse and say, here's a prenuptial agreement. It's 28 pages. You need to take it to your lawyer, have them review it, and I need you to sign it before we walk down the aisle next week. Where's the romance there? Right. It's dead. <laughs> But if you leave your grandchildren or your children the wealth in a trust, and we'll talk about who can be the trustees and how it gets managed long term, but if you leave it in that trust, then they don't have to get the prenup because you can spendthrift the trust. You can protect the wealth that you've earned and left to the next generations in that trust, and it becomes a protected shell. So the assets inside can come out as they need them or want them. But if creditors come knocking, and that's bankruptcy, judgments, lawsuits, divorces, mm -hmm. the assets in the beneficiary control trust are protected. And that's the best feature we can offer for our clients. And I've been doing this too long, 33 years. And when I started practicing, the philosophy was, well, my kids are responsible. I'm just going to leave it to them. But in today's world, having responsible children isn't enough to protect them. Because there are so many threats to the wealth that you leave to them that they cannot protect themselves from. But you can. And you can not only protect them, 
you can also empower them. So we used to think of it in terms of, well, if I leave it in trust, my kids are going to be mad because I don't trust them. They're going to feel like I don't trust them. I'm not giving it outright to them. I'm leaving it in this trust fund. And a lot of people used to think, well, a trust fund, I don't have trust fund babies. That's not what I'm all about. Well, that's not what this is all about either. And a lot of people think that, well, if I leave it in trust, I'm going to have some bank trust company that's going to tie it up and my kids are going to have to fight with them. But, Nicole, we can actually have the child as the trustee. Right. I think it's one of the biggest advantages of it. And one of the things that people are very interested in is protecting the money, but also giving your child the ability to manage it and distribute money as they need it instead of having some third party do it. Right. So when we talk about appointing executors in a will, we talk about appointing trustees in a trust, we talk about powers of attorney, the people that we appoint are our fiduciaries. They're people standing in our shoes. We also call them agents. Uh, an agent is a principal in an agent relationship where you have someone who has appointed someone to do things on their behalf. So under a power of attorney, you have an attorney. In fact, that's your agent. In a will, you have an executor. That's your agent or your fiduciary. And in a trust, you get to choose who is going to manage that account. We have children that have all different abilities, disabilities, capabilities, and each trust has to be uniquely designed. Mm -hmm. So we've talked on this show the last few weeks. We had uh, a high five coach Jim Murphy on. They run sports programs for children with disabilities. Our firm works a great deal with disabled kids. And when you have a disabled child, you're going to create this lifetime trust, similar concept, but a different variety because that's a special needs trust and the child won't be the trustee. Right. And so we have to find another agent or trustee to manage the trust on their behalf. But when you get to the beneficiary control trust, the thought is that, but for the fact that I want to protect this wealth for my children, not from them, but for them, I wouldn't be leaving it in trust. I'd be leaving it outright. In those cases, we can name your child as the trustee or co-trustee of their own trust. And so at an age that you think appropriate, most people choose 30, 35. Instead of saying, well, I'm going to leave it in trust until they're 30, then the trust is going to break and the money is going to come out. I'm going to leave it in trust for their lifetime. And I'm going to let them run the trust when they turn 30. And Nicole, if your parents were leaving you wealth, hopefully they leave you millions of dollars. I would love that. But if they're leaving you wealth and you think about it, would you want it to just come outright into your name and be subjected to all your creditors, divorce, et cetera? Or would it come in this container mm -hmm. that you can manage and have it protected? Right. I don't really see the downfall of keeping it in the trust, um, especially if I can be my own trustee and the distribution standard is fairly broad and allows me to take money out for pretty much everything that I need. Um, so in my opinion, it just is better in the long run than having it distributed to me outright because, like I said before, I don't know if I trust myself getting millions of dollars outright. And then when you take it to the next generation, and we started out talking about grandkids. Right. And how do we protect that inheritance for the grandkids mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get squandered by spendthrift children or ne'er-do-well spouses of your children, the, the in-laws or outlaws as we call them, <laughs> then having it in this trust and having it managed by the people that you trust 
to run your family's wealth, you can have this trust stay in trust for your children's lifetime, and then it automatically passes right on to the grandkids. Right. Again, avoiding probate in your children's estate, not taxable to your children, and not available to your children's creditors, but available to your children to use throughout their lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's a very protected situation, and it is the modern thought of estate planning. Keeping wealth mm -hmm. in further trust, having it managed by the family or by other trustees as necessary, if it's a special needs or a spendthrift child. Lord knows we have a lot of families that we work with where their kids have drug habits, gambling habits, mental illness where they may be normal as you and me one day. Well, that's questionable in my <laughs> case, but very normal that's one day and have episodes where, where they have come in and out of functionality. And we design trusts to specifically meet the needs of those beneficiaries. And sometimes you have three kids, all different. Mm -hmm. You may have one that's the brightest bulb on the tree and, and, you know, the valedictorian of their class and goes out and goes to law school, becomes a lawyer like you and can manage things and can manage things for themselves and maybe even manage things for their brother and sister. But you have other kids that don't have those same capabilities and we can take care of all of them in this trust under the will, the, the testamentary trust that we call a beneficiary control trust. It's a very simple plan today, but it blossoms into this beautiful multi-generational plan long-term. The downside to that is has to go through probate. Right. So there's an alternative to that. Yes. Um, so you have the will option, which goes through probate, but we could also put this beneficiary control trust under another trust. So either a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust. Yep. And why would you use one versus the other, revocable versus irrevocable? Um, well, I guess the revocable is you can change it at any point. Um, irrevocable is, with some exceptions, it can't be changed. Um, so usually we see just for general estate planning the revocable trust yeah. more control yes you're the trustee you control it it avoids probate if you become incapacitated there's a trustee there that will manage it for you and then upon your death you avoid the court right and the money is available to your kids they can step right into the trust and manage it we use irrevocable trust usually in one of two contexts either asset protection for the people setting up the trust like medicaid planning we do a lot of medicaid mm -hmm asset protection planning and asset protection trusts or tax planning if you want to get money outside of your estate we have a caller gary in schenectady good morning gary good morning lou do you remember who i am no. i have been in your office with frank and my friends mark and mary absolutely okay how are you um, this morning and since since that time i've uh, referred a few people to you i don't know if they all use your services or not but well, anyway we always very, appreciate very happy that with referrals. what you did for my friends but i have a trust question yes on a trust that you're going to be very familiar with because you looked through it while they were there um but i want to make it in general terms too uh, I've never heard you answer this one on the air, and maybe you didn't even in the first half of today's program, but I wasn't around for that. I just hustled and got home so I could uh, be here for the second half at least and ask you this anyway. Um, could you go over the actual settlement of the trust, the, the procedure involved in an irrevocable trust? Mm -hmm. And case in point in this one is it's an irrevocable trust done by an elder uncle 
left to his two nieces who are siblings and who are seniors themselves. So it's all going to be distributed, not over time, like some of the trusts you've been talking about today. It's going to be distributed upon his death, you know, all at once kind of thing. There is both money and property in the trust. Could you go over the procedure from when um, death certificates yeah. are issued? Yep. You have those. Go through the procedure until it's finally settled in terms of both the property and the money, and could you include a time frame if you can possibly do that to whatever extent you can? Please. Sure. Great question. Great question. So who is the trustee? That's number one. Um, one of the two girls. Okay. One of the two uh, nieces. So the trustee has immediate access to all of the funds and the property. You okay. don't have to go to court. They have immediate access. Will the property be kept or will it be sold? It will at some point be sold. I do know because you're going to start from a zero-cost basis, it has to be evaluated. Uh, well, actually, you're going to get a step-up in basis, depending upon how the trust was drawn. But in most cases, you'll get a step-up in basis for that property at death. Okay. What do you mean step-up in basis? It won't start from zero? No, it'll, it'll be the basis... At the time, the value at the time of death. So you would yeah, get an appraisal. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So you would have yeah. to get it evaluated to know what the value is at the time what of the death, What the basis right? is, correct. So you'll okay. establish the basis on the date of death. Yeah. And if they're going to list it for sale, she can do that anytime. She right. could list it for sale tomorrow. That's the difference between probate and a trust. The okay. trustee has access to it. She can go down to the realtor, put the stake in the ground, and start listing that property tomorrow. Okay, and as far as the money goes, um, mm -hmm. I know from the meeting we had with you, gifts could have been drawn from the trust even while they were waiting. That was never done. Yep. But the access to the money doesn't have something like a 90-day wait or anything. It's immediate? Immediately available. And, and the only process for a trust, because you're entrusting that trustee to do the administration, right. we want that trustee to be released from any potential liability. So what you're going to prepare is a receipt, release, and refunding agreement for the trustee to have signed by the benefit the other beneficiary and then she really literally just divvies up the money and splits it 50 50. okay that is really really what i wanted to know and i thank you so much for that and um you keep up the good work i thank you for all the help you gave my friends and um and we'd be talking to you great gary and thank you for the question that was a great question okay thank you Lou. yeah bye-bye all right we're going to take one more break if you want to call us on the way back when we come back in 800-825- Five nine four nine eight hundred talk wgy this is life happens radio are you prepared on talk radio wgy we will be right back welcome back to life happens are you prepared this is lou piro very happy to be with you happy to be anywhere these days here live in studio with nicole hurley doing a great job talking about gifting to our children and our grandchildren how to use 529s utmas trusts and the differences between the various kinds of trusts that are available to us we do take live callers and you can reach us at 800-825-5949 we got about eight minutes left so get your call in and right now we have chris in saratoga on the line good morning chris how can we help you on life happens uh, good morning. Um, I don't know if uh, you would be able to help me with this, but recently I have a cousin that passed away in California, mm -hmm. and he had no will. And the uh, state of California has reached out to us, and um, we've filled out paperwork and sent to them. But um, 
you know, we don't know what's next. Okay. I mean, there's like seven cousins and one half uncle on one side, and I don't know what was on the other side. Yeah, that's you're you're in what we talked about at the top of the show, intestacy, where you have no will, you have no direction from the decedent. Uh-huh. You don't know what they would have wanted, but what they wanted isn't going to be part of this. It's going to be what the state of California wants. Okay. And if you die in New York, it's what the state of New York wants. And the legislature then writes the plan. I'm very curious. Normally, the state wouldn't reach out to the family. Was this person employed by the state of California? Um, that I don't know. He had people that were close to him, mm-hmm. I believe, and went to um, – Try in name only. It was like a daughter in name only, but not a real daughter. Ah. And she thought she would be able to be his beneficiary. Yeah, but she can't. She couldn't. And they asked her if uh, she knew of anyone. And so she gave him the only person's name that she knew back here. Okay. So you heard from the court. I believe so. Yeah. So the court is looking for someone to come in and petition because. In addition to the law of intestacy determining determining who can be the beneficiary, it also determines who can be the administrator, and there is a priority list of people, and the first people to be administrators are family members. Okay. So if a family member is willing to step up, what you would do is you would hire counsel in that county where it's your uncle? Um, cousin. Cousin, where your cousin lived. You would hire counsel in the county where your cousin lived. Do you know what county that is? Um, I know it's San Rafael. It's up by um, uh, Silicon Valley. Okay. Right next so, Silicon Valley. And, and if you want to call our office, I have some colleagues up there. I'd be happy to give you some names of people to call and reach out to in that county. But that then you're going to have to have that law firm prepare a petition to go in and have one or more of you appointed as administrator of the estate. Okay. What they have asked so far, the state, was to, they wanted all of our names and for us to um, opt out as executor. Okay. So they're, they're then looking at the family waving off your rights. Okay. So you, have, you don't have to do that unless you want to. Do you know what your cousin owned during his lifetime? All we know is what he inherited from our aunt. Okay. And, you know, we haven't had contact with him in years. Mm-hmm. I mean, many years. Yeah, and, we call uh, them in law school laughing heirs. Mm-hmm. People who didn't even know the other person existed, and then all of a sudden they get a letter from a lawyer saying, oh, you're the beneficiary. It's like winning the lottery. Right, um, right. And this is why, I mean, we were also surprised. We didn't know if he was married, not married. You know, we hadn't heard from him in years. Mm-hmm. So and, you can... You can either, you have choice here, and as a family, you can either step up and say, no, we want to be involved and we're going to come in and we're going to petition the court to be appointed as administrator, in which case you'd have the priority. And then the the estate would pass by the laws of intestacy and be divided among the cousins. Uh-huh. Or you can wave off and say, well, if he had someone that was his would-be daughter, not in name only, that you are going to then waive all of your rights and then it can go... Um, according to the laws of intestacy, to the next level. But I'm not sure how she's going to inherit in any event. No, she's not even trying now. Yeah. That's why she gave um, the this person she spoke to my cousin's name. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need to really kind of talk as a family, see if you want to do this, appoint one or two people to be the point people, get counsel in California, 
and go ahead and, and be appointed as the administrator of the estate, in which case you can then find out what assets are there and then make distributions ultimately. Okay. Do I Would I have to go out there? Um, not necessarily unless there were some contest, but you can do it all by mail. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, well, Chris. I'll talk to my cousins. <laughs> yep. Time to have a family conference. I guess. All Thank right. you so much. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we have Marlena in Greenville on the phone. Good morning, Marlena. How can we help you this morning? Oh, good morning. I was just listening to the last phone call, and um, it's quite sad. And actually, my, my problem might be a little bit similar. Okay. Um, I'm one of four siblings. Uh, I'm the oldest. Uh, my father passed away. Uh, my mother passed you know, many years ago, but he passed away in 2008. Mm-hmm. Myself and my sibling all went different directions, different parts of different Right. And uh, my bro- my youngest brother, you know, hung in there and stayed at the property. Now, it's quite sad because my father was ill for some time, and when he passed, it was very difficult to get a hold of my brother who you know, found out was the executor of the estate, which included a couple of properties and different, you know, accounts, monies, 401ks. And I asked if there was going to be a reading of the will. Yeah, that's that's something that happens on TV. I know. It's <laughs> awful, actually. And he was like, well, there's nothing left. Yeah. If he was on Medicaid, the odds are his assets all kind of got spent down. Yeah, I think, they hit, I think my brother hit those and um, did his own thing. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of points up the fact that families need to be involved, and they need to be involved as early as possible. Uh, you need to get yeah. good counsel while he's alive, and you need to be able to take care of those issues in well-drafted documents. And we like to use trusts in our office, and the last calls, yours, and the last one really illustrate why. Because when you use a trust, everything is laid out in great detail and specificity who's in charge, who's benefiting. It all needs to be talked about. It all needs to be laid out in advance in in well-done documents. Trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, as we say, is very, very difficult. Not that it can't be done, but it's going to be costly. And so, Marlena, thank you for your call. Mike in Saratoga, we're sorry, but we're out of time. It always happens. They call at the end. Tune in next week. You can call us at the office at 459-2100. We'd be happy to answer your questions there. This is Lou Pirro. Thank you, Nicole Hurley. Thank you all for listening this morning. You're listening to Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 